Hello, Internet, and welcome to a very special edition of the Steam Cleaners Podcast. I am your host, Chase Wassenaar, and I am joined by two lovely people today. First, as always, my co-host, Walter Cietis Fedchuk. Walter, how you doing, buddy? I am doing absolutely fantastic. I am very excited to be on the episode today. I actually uh, adjusted what I was going to be playing for today's episode because of what you and our lovely guests have been playing. And I've been listening, I finally started listening to the Behind the Bastards six-part series on Kissinger. And Chase, you were right. It is as horrifying and eye-bleachy as I could have expected. I did not want to learn about what kind of a sex god Henry Kissinger was. (laughs) That's really the part of the game we're playing today that was not uh, indulged in as much, probably for the best. Uh, but yeah, Kissinger's three-part series, six-part series, excuse me, Behind the Bastards, uh, required listening. Uh, you will not understand this podcast unless you listen to it, I'm sure. Um, but I'm joined by another person who is very familiar with all of the war crimes of Henry Kissinger, yeah. Kristen Pignolo. Kristen, how you doing? I'm good. I don't want to spoil, I mean, I understand that it's history, but Walter, <laughs> you're going to learn things about his his love life. Mm-hmm. I know that Diane Sawyer was used as a lure for him, so I, I'm like halfway I guess, through episode I just, five. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> I was wondering where you were. Uh, besides all the Kissinger talk, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I think a lot of us could add the asterisk of, well, besides Henry Kissinger, life's going pretty well right now. Like, that's I'm just a good. fair... Blanket statement that we could always apply to everything we do. Um, But you know what? This is not a Henry Kissinger podcast, as much as it seems to be implying such so far. This is a video game podcast where Walter and I, and sometimes a guest, talk about uh, some video games that we've been playing. Different games than the games we've talked about on the podcast before. And for the first time in Steam Cleaner's history, we're all talking about the same game. That's right. It is all Cult of the Lamb all day uh, on this lovely episode. So we're going to mix things up here, and I'm just going to open the floor. Uh, Kristen, what were your first impressions heading into Cult of the Lamb? So I really enjoy a lot of the games that Devolver Digital is involved in, and that's how I kind of heard about this game. I had listen to you know the besties podcast talk about it and it seemed like something up my alley as someone who really likes kind of um management sims um but is also like very into learning about cults (laughs) i kristen pignolo a person who loves to learn about cults um Mm. But I like I really love the game Enter the Gungeon. I've been playing. I have played Inscription. I haven't finished it Um, a lot. I love the Reigns games like this was like this company makes games. I I really enjoy. So that is kind of what I approach this game with. Was there anything that drew you in, Walter, outside of the fact that Kristen and I were going to be playing it? I, I mean, yeah, the fact that you you said like, "Hey, I'm playing this game, and Kristen is going to be joining us." I was like, "Well, you know what? Screw it. Let let's just let's just you know, three strikes. All of us do it." Uh, because I I watched some streams uh, and, and YouTube videos, RT Game and and uh, Call Me Kevin playing it. I bring them up an awful lot. Um, but watching <laughs> them play it, watching a few other people play it, and actually, it's it's funny the like the town management resource management wasn't what pulled me to it. It was the rogue like you know action adventure kind of beat 'em up uh, style that that called to me. It was you know kind of harkens me to um, a number of games that I've played here over the last year, going under Hades, and and I feel like I've sort of found a little bit of a niche. And wanting to play these like roguelike beat 'em up games, and then you know, as far as it being Devolver, like they just they make really spot like really fun, really solid, sort of irreverent games that are sort of you know tongue in cheek about a topic like cult. You know, it's Cult of the Lamb. Like, oh, it's a lamb. Like, oh, that's so allegorical, and it's making fun of cults, and like it's it's just. I knew I was going to get a really solid experience. I knew just from what I had watched that it was going to be a lot of fun. 
And uh, yeah, it's it's a solid game across the board. It got there were a number of times where I'd be like in my car going to work or like out at the grocery store, and all of a sudden the music from the third level, the water level, would just be stuck in my head. And I'm like, well, now I have to go home and play Cult of the Lamb. Oh shit, am I part of a cult now? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that does I mean the the aesthetics of this game, absolutely, from a from a visual design. From a sound design perspective, I, I do agree that that's probably my favorite part of this. And it's what drew me in because Devolver Digital, you know, they're a really interesting publisher. They work with so many different small studios on projects that are always weird and interesting. Um, you know, Inscription is not by any means a funny game. It does not have nearly the same tone that something like this does, but it's weird and it's interesting. And so Devolver Digital wanted to have uh, their hands on it as much as they could. Um, so it's, it really came down to me of like looking at this game and just the really in, in enchanting is probably the wrong word, but visuals that really draw you in and keep you engaged. There's an, like this weirdly adorable part of like going around and like dancing for all of your followers to get their loyalty up at the beginning of the day and these kinds of like little things that it adds in order to enhance that part of your experience that I found really satisfying and something that I, I knew going in was going to keep me engaged, whatever else came my way. Now, I, I do have to ask because we all, I, I think everyone has a different philosophy when it comes to naming their cult. So Kristen, yeah, what was your cult and why? I named my cult Lamb's Temple. Um, I, was inspired by um, Jim. This sounds so gross to say. I was inspired by Jim Jones's naming of the People's Temple, which was what his cult was originally called before <laughs> they moved to Jonestown. Mm -hmm. That's. I mean, it's a classic cult. To it's be a cl sure. it's, and, it's a classic. Um, and we started with Henry Kissinger, so I don't think you need to be ashamed of saying okay. that you found <laughs> Jonestown interesting. It is like. <laughs> Historically, one of the most fascinating cults, certainly in American history. Um, Walter, what was your philosophy? Listen, I'm I'm really like unimaginative, unimaginative when it comes to stuff like this. Uh, so it was it was the cult of RD, the, the cult of rough drafts, uh, and Aww. every single follower was a red fox with a Whoa. little tuft of hair. Every single follower was a red fox with a little tuft of hair. Wow. I didn't, I, I didn't change the names at all. I would only change the follower forms if I just thought it was a really ugly color and follower form combination. I really didn't change it. See, it's a cult. I, I demand uniformity. <laughs> I liked having uh, different people from all walks of life. I will say that. See, my OCD required me to have different variations for each villager, or each cultist I, I recruited. So I was always making sure that it wasn't the same uh, person I'd had before. I also, I will be honest, I would have done capitalism, but RT Game did capitalism. And his <laughs> yep. video was great. I wasn't going to beat that. So I'm like, well, what else in my life could I describe as cult-like? And... L listeners of this uh, of the Rough Drafts podcast network may know uh, Kristen and I uh, have been on the K-pop shenanigans podcast for a while, and so my cult were the Blinks. We were the Blinks, and every single one of my members was a member of a K-pop group. And uh, I did bring back. I, I married Dami pretty early in my run, and then constantly brought her back using the revive ritual. Oh my so God. I just had her as my wife for like Holy 90 shit. games. It was really, it was a very, she was like level 18 as a follower by the time I finished the game. It was a very broken combination. Can I, can Wait, I just make a quick point here? Yes, please. Okay. So maybe I took kind of the darkest dungeon approach to this because I did not really form major attachments to my followers like yeah i wife i i wifed up a couple of them um and i did i did feel some affection for them uh but i i was just kind of like you know what 
can you give me in this situation? I think I approached it in a much more transactional way than it seems you did, Chase. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I, think I resurrected anyone. Am, nope. am I the monster here that was just like, you're all fucking disposable pawns? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For the most part. I mean, if someone was high level, it'd be like, well, I'm not going to sacrifice them. But like I'll be a, a level two? Sure. But, well, yeah, and look, I want to be clear. I did sacrifice plenty of followers. I took the trait um, that said that if a character died of old age naturally, you would lose faith. But if you killed oh. them in some sacrificial way before that happened, you would get a faith buff. And so I was constantly rotating between the sacrifice a follower and see them eaten up by Cthulhu ritual or the uh, ascend a follower. And it would entirely be based on how long they'd been there. If you were a high level follower, I waited to ascend you because I felt like you'd earned it. If you were a low level follower, absolutely you're getting murked by tentacles. No hesitation whatsoever. See, wow. see I um, went the opposite and I went the elders perk and everybody just died naturally and then I turned them into fertilizer. I, um, I fertilized a lot. Yeah. I had, to, I had to build a second fertilizer. I had to build a second one to handle it. I was considering the second fertilizer. I was considering. I never had fertilizer. (laughs) I did not. It was not a thing that was was there for me. I, you know, I guess we we should back up just a second to talk about (laughs) the mechanics of this game, because it would probably make a little bit more sense if people could understand uh, how this game works. Uh, essentially, you've got two sections, right? You have the going out and adventure, the roguelike element that Walter described earlier, uh, where your, you know, lamb leader of your cult goes out and slays a bunch of monsters using random weapons and uh, abilities that are assigned to you um, that you can try to upgrade over the course of your run. Uh, Going to get stronger over time as you unlock new regions with the goal of ultimately unlocking and defeating the boss at the end of each region. Uh, and you have your cult back home where you do things like build up uh, buildings to make sure that they have places to live, places to uh, worship so that you can do your cult rituals every day and deliver sermons and uh, collect devotion from them in order to unlock more tech upgrades and, and farming and so many other things uh, to keep your cult running smoothly which all then fall to shit whenever you go out an adventure because two days without you and they cannot handle it. The game, just, your your cultists are not able to hold their own without their leader. Um, so I, I guess I, I want to talk about, uh, like Walter, of the two forms of gameplay, once you were into it, uh, which did you end up finding yourself clicking with the most? See, that's like the crazy thing is because both of them clicked really well for me. I really didn't have much of a problem like abandoning my my followers for, you know, a day or two to to go on the crusades. I felt that the way I had built things up, um, I was pretty, you know, well balanced across the tech tree, pretty sustainable. I basically I'd come back and, you know, as long as like only one person died while I was gone. The faith wouldn't go down too low. And, uh, you know, the food stores would be pretty solid where I could just make some meals. Um, but the reality is, like, I loved the crusading. I loved the the roguelike uh, action-adventuring part of this game. And I don't want to say tolerated the, the, you know, building management simulation resource kind of stuff because it wasn't... It's not like it was tedious or anything. Like, it was still fun. But, like I said you know, kind of in my introduction about the game, there's just something about this roguelike action adventure style gameplay that has really kind of uh, caught on with me over the last year with Hades, with, with, you know, going under. And it was a lot of fun. And one of like the crazy things is that I, it, it didn't feel, it wasn't hard for me to kind of get into the rhythm of how to go through the rooms and how to fight the enemies and it felt like i was just kind of like grooving for you know 10 to 15 minutes to get through a dungeon i would pop out and i'd be like all right cool that was nice now i'm gonna have a nice glass of water i'm gonna walk around dance with my followers do a sermon pick some crops you know whatever needed to be done uh and then like by the time i did all that Again, and I, I, I don't want this to be a negative connotation, but the busy work of the resource management, I was like, all right, it's been like 20 minutes. I'm ready to go back in for another dungeon run. And just that 
ebb and flow of, you know, active gameplay of dodging and fighting and using abilities at versus the passive gameplay of all the resource management stuff. It just really meshed well together and created a very engrossing experience where I could sit down for a few hours and not get fatigued. That is very fair. I do think that the management, like they did a good job of picking the three things that you need to keep up with, right? Faith, obviously need to keep people believing in your cult. Hunger, making sure they have food, usually a good thing if you want to keep people alive. Um, and illness, right? Just making sure things are clean enough for people to not get sick all the time. Um, and of course, kind of behind the scenes, the age mechanic, knowing that followers die pretty quickly, all things considered. Uh, so you always had to make sure that you had new followers coming. Uh, Kristen, what about you? What did you end up clicking with the most? Walter, I'm going to have to disagree with you here, at least in like my own personal experience of it, because I felt like every, every time I left to go adventuring, faith would plummet to zero. It did not matter. Like I would time it. So like, okay, I've only got one elder. I have my faith maxed out at a hundred. I've made a bunch of meals. Did not, did not matter. Did not matter for me at all. There were maybe a couple of times when I would come back and it wasn't at zero. Um, the I, re I really enjoyed both portions of the game because I, I really like that kind of roguelike dungeon crawling thing that you get with like an Enter the Gungeon, a Binding of Isaac, a Hades. I, I find that really fun. I did find it a little too imprecise for how the game was overall, but that was okay because I, th I was playing it on normal and I didn't find the combat really terribly difficult. And I did enjoy that kind of gameplay loop of being in your cult, you're building things up, you're leveling up your followers. Um, I did have an issue with some of the follower quests, it felt this was maybe a minor issue, but you know how followers will give you quests sometimes um, to improve their faith. If you fail, it will decrease their faith. And they would give you, oh, I really want to go get some flowers. I really want some flowers from this one area. Can you please go get them for me? And I think every time I took one of those quests outside of one, and I would try to go as soon as possible after like the first couple of times when I realized, oh, this is not as easy. I just like the drops for the things that I needed to get were not happening. They like time after time, I just felt like the game was screwing me out of this. Like, I think I only actually succeeded in them like two or three times. There's yeah. definitely stuff like that that niggles at you. Yeah, the balancing was just not quite right. And and I, I make a point of these sorts of things because I, I really enjoyed this game. I liked it. I feel like there were areas like that, at least in my own experience, where I felt like it could it could definitely be better. Yeah, I... I will be honest, I, I might end up being the most negative person on the cast here, which is why I, I'm letting y'all kind of take the lead on this. Because for me, it's a lot of little things that really added up with this game. Uh, with the combat for me, it was the fact that we only had the single attack button and a special mm -hmm. attack that took a while to recharge. You know, I ended up with the same problem that you get in a lot of RPGs where, like, I didn't want to use the super attack because then I wouldn't have it. And what if the next room is harder than the one that I'm in right now? So I just didn't end up experimenting with them until the late game when you get that uh, perk that allows you to recharge every time you start a new room. At which point you can just kind of go ham mm -hmm. and the game gets a little bit crazy as far as the balance goes because those abilities are balanced around the idea that you can't do that. Um but the lack of like a heavy attack versus light attack button, the way that a Hades does, meant that combat was pretty straightforward and only really changed depending on the weapon that you got, which there were only five different weapons. And one of them, the hammer, 
is trash because the attack speed is 0.25 and there's nothing you can do when your enemies are all high mobility. It's a nightmare. It's really frustrating. The the hammer, Kristen bringing up precision is anytime I started with a hammer, I was just like, oh my God, please, please God, get me an armory as soon as possible because this is unusable. I didn't dislike the hammer as much as I disliked the gauntlets actually, because I hated that kind of close range. I love the gauntlets. That was my Oh my weapon. god. I loved them. It's it's actually like it's incredible to me to hear you guys talk about the like combat. And I 100% agree with like the combat was very imprecise at times. It was it was definitely difficult to like very consistently try to like land the one hit you needed. Um but I just like I eventually just took my kind of Hades mindset of like hey listen, I'm going to play with the dagger and the gauntlets and just button mash close range and use the the special abilities like sporadically depending on like which ones I get. Like the best like special abilities to me were the close range that it's like the circle out from you whether it's poison or the immobility or the ice. Like, I just basically played, like, I'm going to be in everyone's face and super, super close range. And that, like, that's just how I played the game. So it's kind it's fascinating to me that you guys then had such a wildly different uh, experience with the combat. It is funny because I I knew this about you, Walter, that you were very much the uh, melee guy when it came to Hades. Whereas I didn't learn to be good at Hades until I learned how to use the bow. And eventually the gun, because of the spacing, really helped out. And and this game doesn't have something quite like that. I think everything is a melee attack. Yeah, there's no um, range. Which is fine. Like, I don't mind that necessarily, but it meant that basically, like, the only difference between weapons was your damage versus attack speed trade-off. They didn't feel very different to me outside of that element. Um, and so it just... Like, I found myself wishing that the gauntlets were more like they were in Hades, where, like, you you got a lot more attack speed in exchange for having to be up close and personal. And this game just doesn't make you make those trade-offs because you only have the one kind of attack. Um, And to Kristen's point earlier, the drop rate on some of the resources you need to get, really frustratingly low. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially because there is no visual way to identify what will or will not give you a drop. Correct. So you have this problem where you need to destroy all of the scenery Mm. around you at all times because you have to get as many resources as you can in order to do everything you need to do when you get back to base. But destroying things takes time. And the longer you're away, the more things go wrong back at your base. And because there is no visual way to indicate whether or not clearing the room will actually have value to you, What ends up happening is that a lot of times you'll go through a room, kill everybody, find that there's a lot of debris, destroy all the debris, and get almost nothing for having destroyed that debris, and you feel really dumb, like, oh, I could have saved 30 seconds there, that might have really helped back when I get back to the base phase. And so that was really... I don't know, I I don't think it would have been too... It wouldn't have changed a ton from a gameplay perspective, to have a way to identify which of these patches of grass is actually going to give me grass or not. Um, And it would have helped a lot towards me uh, feeling like I could go at the pace that theoretically the game wanted me to go at. So He just doesn't feel good to be cutting down just swaths of grass and rock to get, like, next to nothing. Mm -hmm. It, It just doesn't feel good to do that room after room. Doesn't. I disagree. I loved it. Like, I loved... It was... Again, it was just like... I got to a point where I could, like, shut my brain off and just button mash through it. Just totally button mash through it. And I can understand, like, there were definitely some times where it was like, oh, you have to get, the, get flowers. Oh, you have to get the gems for the lighthouse. Um, the one thing that really bothered me in terms of, like, getting a resource was the fishing mini game, and I needed to catch a lobster, and I think I fished, like, ten days in a row and never got a lobster, and finally had to do the, like, sea feast, uh, the Mm -hmm. the sea ritual, and then I got a lobster. Um, but, like, it was just the, the clearing the rooms just became second nature of just, like, hey, it's 
part of what I am doing in the room. And I was, as I was fighting enemies, was clearing the room as I was going. So again, like I, I, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just like my personal level of like craziness and destruction and like just wanting to destroy things. But I agree. It definitely didn't add a whole lot to the game, but I actually kind of enjoyed it. Hey, that's fair. That's why we have three people talking about the game. Hopefully uh, people listening at home can kind of figure out which personality type is going to be more in line with how they perceive that side of it. I do want to talk about the base building side of it, which to me is very tied into uh, the balance of the game and the pacing of the game. Because my experience with Cult of the Lamb essentially boiled down to me taking a bad upgrade path early, such that I did not unlock the... Uh, oh god, what's the the building where you uh, have the wood uh, that you can keep getting as a renewable resource? Oh, the lumberyard. The lumberyard and the mines. I did not unlock those uh, as early as I should have, which meant that I got stuck spending a lot of time in my cult headquarters waiting for trees to grow back so I could eventually build those buildings, um, which really threw out the timing of so many things that I was going to do. Because it made no sense to proceed forward when I had these very core things that I was missing, and I would be a lot more efficient at accomplishing those core things if I just stayed back at the base. So I had this period in the early game in which I just wasn't going on adventures because it didn't make sense for me to go on adventures because of the problem I had dug myself in. But because I was doing that, I was spending a lot of time at base. I was spending a lot of time leveling up my followers because I was talking to them every day. Um, and so what ended up happening is I got almost all of the upgrades from the chapel super early on. I think I had everything before I finished the third boss, uh, of which there are four in the game and then the final boss battle. So at some point, everything just became really trivial to me from a management perspective. I had already gotten the thing that cut the cost of rituals in half. So anytime I went back to base after a couple days, I could do the bonfire or I could do the feast and everything had been solved. My hunger would be dealt with. My, um, my, my faith would be dealt with. I could, you know, negotiate like, oh, well, if I need to keep my faith up for the next thing, I'll take the negative hit in order to get the, like, the ritual that gives faith has like one of your members, like manage that while you're out. Uh, and then I could bump it back up with one of these other positive rituals. And I, I just never had to worry about things by that point. There was nothing that rituals couldn't solve uh, outside of just a cooldown issue, which I'm just going to throw out there. You could tell us what the cooldowns are for the rituals. Like just saying on cooldown means nothing. I know you figure it out over time from having enough experience with it, but you could just, I don't know. Tell us how long the cooldown's going to be. That seems like information that you could inform the player of. But because I'd done that, like, well, I got the upgraded weapons. And so I was so much stronger than all of the monsters around me. I never had a problem with combat again, in any meaningful way, at least. Uh, especially once I got the tech that allowed me to sacrifice one of my own followers to get some hearts back. I, I, there was never a chance of me dying at that point forward. And I didn't die, I think, from... Uh, the end of the first boss until the final boss battle, which took me two tries. Um, and I did that without ever having to use the demonic circle, even though, by the way, your followers don't die if you fail a run with the demonic circle. It's totally fine. It was only going to help you this entire time, and I had no idea, because I just assumed if you lost a run with your followers, you'd lose those followers. Um, so my... Issues with the base building are a lot of things that I felt weren't communicated and led me towards play patterns that ended up screwing up the pacing and balance of the game uh, irreversibly for me. Uh, Walter, it sounds like you didn't encounter any of those kinds of issues, right? 
Uh, no. So it's, it's kind of funny. So I didn't do much in terms of like relationship building with the characters. I didn't meticulously go around and dance with them every single day or, you know, bribe them or whatever. Um, like some of the first buildings I built were the lumber yard and then the mine. I built the lumber yard so early because I was running out of trees and I was just like, well, I don't want to sit here and just wait for trees to grow. So like, I'm going to get to a lumber yard and then I got to a lumber yard and then I just basically scaled from there and built all the resource generation buildings. And then once I had like a solid farm of four lumber yards, four of the stone yards, then I was like, cool, what do I need now? Oh, I need devotion. So then I went to like the tabernacle. Um, some of my like last upgrades were the demonic circle and, um, the ritual cooldown and, and, uh, reduce costs. Like those were among, you know, towards the end of, of what I was getting. Um, like, you know, confession booth was towards the end. And basically I just, I, I felt at times that I was resource gated by the number of buildings that I had that I wasn't like, Oh, I don't have enough logs. It was more of when we got into, I think it was like tier three and you started needing the consecrated items. Whereas like, okay, well I only have like two refineries. Like, Oh, maybe I need to build more of those. Um, I, yeah, I just, I never really felt like I had much of an issue in terms of that. I will say my biggest problem with the base building mechanic was I didn't like the perspective that it was built on. I didn't like how it was turned like 90 degrees and it was all like all the um, squares were, were diamonds actually. Um, mm -hmm. I wish it had just been like flat because it would have made it a lot easier to position things. And I was playing on my computer with a controller. So sometimes it was kind of difficult to like place buildings precisely and try and keep everything very neat and I by the end my base was kind of a mess because I had things just like all over the place and I'm sure there was some way to like delete buildings or move them or whatever I just I, I didn't bother exploring it because to me the base was just a means to produce resources for me to come back to yeah weirdly enough I yeah, that whole way that the base was um, situated in the tile system, I started to beautify my base because I really enjoy that. And then I realized how difficult it, it, it was to kind of get everything to line up and be centered the way I wanted it to. And you can see it as you like go through my, my cold home base of just like, yes, I've got entryway with... Um, lamps and flowers on both sides then you get to the major uh, pillar of devotion and then uh, there are no path there are no pathways except the lumber yard and in in the mine um, there's a statue over there devoted to the second god I killed uh, right next to where I put my followers bodies and get fertilizer it was just a hodgepodge yeah, it was a nightmare on the Switch um, with the controller. I, I think maybe it could have worked if I was playing on PC and I had the precision of a mouse and keyboard. Like, that might have made things a lot easier when it came to the base building. But without it, having the diamonds, like you said, Walter, was a nightmare. And so I just didn't build decorations, really. I ended up doing the path because it made my OCD happy to have there be paths everywhere. Um, which was probably the most time I spent on decorating anything. But I didn't really build any of the other buildings because I needed those resources for other more practical things. And the game didn't make it fun to invest in that. No. But I, I want to circle back to like the, the pacing and the balance here because I, 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 I really, to me, that was something that I struggled with. Kristen, was that something that you ran into as a, yeah. a concern throughout? It really did feel like the game bottlenecked you at weird points for resources, number of followers, things like that, and just kind of this arbitrariness of it didn't feel the progression to me didn't feel organic and it didn't feel like the difficulty was holding me back or anything. It really just felt like I was always resource poor in something or 
I had everything I absolutely needed and I was just waiting to kill, like, to go on another run and kill the next guy I needed to kill so I could get to the god of that area. And it was just like, okay, let's, let's move it along here. That's, that's kind of how I felt. It was like, it's either holding me back or I, I couldn't get going fast enough. I have a question for you, Walter. How did you deal with the gem problem? Because one of the big things I got gated with is that the gem resource that you need for a lot of those mid-tier buildings is only there in the third world. And once I beat that, I didn't have a reason to go back. So it just meant that there were multiple mechanics of the base building that I never touched because I never had the gems. So I just... Please, yeah. I'm so sorry. I know you just asked Walter that, but also, like, I so wanted to go back to these other areas because they talked about difficulties and and rewards, and I was literally in literally nothing in the game makes it worth to go back to the other areas. You really just need to be pushing forward, and I, that made me sad. I'm sorry. Go, Walter. Uh, I I guess to answer Chase's question, uh, what gem problem? <laughs> what, what what buildings needed gems I, I i honestly like i really didn't notice i would say that my gates were um the the refinery you know consecrating the uh items in particularly like the gold bars um that was a little bit of my kind of like bottleneck was was money but then once i was fishing and was consistently using the you know gift of the sea ritual and I would just go fish a bunch and then I would sell it to, you know, the, the one who waits in his chest. Like, oh, boom, there's there's my gold problem. It's completely solved. Um, I would say that I once I got past like the second um, the second boss and I died against him a couple of times. I, the first boss, you die a bunch of times just because you're still getting used to the game. The second boss, I died to him a bunch of times because I was just playing. It was like probably three o'clock in the morning and I was exhausted. So I finally stopped playing and like the next morning when I started playing again, beat him immediately. And then I didn't die again until the final boss. And that was because I was being like really reckless with my hearts because that's how I'd been playing the game up until then. And didn't realize it was four stages and was like, oh, okay, well, I have to play a little bit safer. So like I got for, through the first two, beat the third stage, and all of a sudden there was a fourth stage and I had half a heart. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then just because I wanted to like really beat the game, I finally like saw the demonic circle. I was like, okay, what does this do? And then saw what it did and was like, oh, let me upgrade this three times real quick. And then went with three follower demons and then just completely destroyed the final boss. Um, but in terms of like going back to the other areas, Kristen, so there, obviously you can get like the follower quests where it's really weird. They time the follower quests of like, hey, can you go get me flowers? Or, hey, can you go get me mushrooms? Like after you've beaten those bosses, um, so kind of like forces you to want to go back. Um, but then did you guys go through and beat each of the witnesses in each area? I beat one of them, uh, because I had gotten one of those quests. I also yeah. got one of the quests of like, can you do like, make this like vegetable feast for me before yeah. I had unlocked the last region. Yep. So there was literally no way I could succeed at that quest gotcha. when it was given to me. Yep. Um, so there was a lot with those kind of like follower quests that I think could have been ironed out a little bit but yeah talk a little bit more about the the witnesses because this is going to lead into something I, I wanted to talk about yeah so they're basically just like it's it does the you know roguelike thing where like oh you beat the dungeon once so go back and it's slightly harder and when i say slightly like it's slightly harder it is mm -hmm. it is not that much more difficult uh the the like enemies probably have a little bit more health and are a little bit more durable you have a couple of more of the like special uh elite enemies that have either the poison or drop the bomb or things like that and then the witnesses are just a different boss that has just a slightly different mechanic that seems to be more in line with like the um end of dungeon bosses as opposed to the like the final boss in each region um and if you beat all four of them the third sh the third area shop that's unlocked he has a quest for you to beat all four of them and you go there mm -hmm. and you you turn in the four eyes of the witness um and 
he you know he gives you a, a follower um, a follower for him after that. Um, so like, there's a little bit of replayability in that in terms of just like trying to hundred percent complete it. But I would say like, you're right. There isn't a whole lot that's pulling you back into like, Hey, do you want to go beat the dungeon again? Other than, Hey, go beat the witness for this quest or Hey, go beat the Bishop without getting hit for an achievement. Yeah. Yeah. That's not... I gotta say that's not super motivating to me as a player um and I wish that defeating all of the witnesses maybe did something more than just like another follower form personally um well you also get those little like parts of a talisman that you can spend to do capes that make the game harder for yourself which (laughs) like I I understand the point of that, right? Like, it's the same kind of mechanic as, like, with Hades, where you increase the heat. Uh, except you don't get any additional benefits from doing it that way, at least by my understanding. Maybe there were, and I just didn't notice it. I didn't spend a lot of time experimenting with it. Um, but th- there isn't much of a reason to care about those things unless you want to play around with the game's difficulty, which... If I was going to do that, I would have picked a harder difficulty than normal to start with, you know? So it it just, it did make some of the side quests kind of a moot point because the reward for beating them was a resource that I was never going to spend and had no interest in spending, which is unfortunate, right? You know, you want to have that replayability factor. And I imagine those cloaks, all those different capes with the different difficulties are meant to give you a reason to, like, want to go back through those dungeons and really test yourself. And I don't think it quite got there. Right. Though there was one reason for me, more than any, that I did not want to do that. The bugs. We have to talk about the bugs. We gotta. Especially on the Switch. We have to talk about the bugs. Walter, I already know Kristen's answer, so I kind of want to start with you first. Did you encounter any substantial bugs while you were playing this game um i i don't know if i would say like substantial because my game only crashed once um on occasion when i came out of the chapel um all the all of them would just like amass into a a blob and get stuck there and (laughs) you would basically you would have to either you'd have to enter a dungeon uh, and then when you came out, they'd all be unstuck. Um, the one time it did crash, I tried to add another follower, and then it just locked the game and wouldn't allow me to edit anything on the follower or click on the screen or anything. So mm-hmm. I did have to close it then. Um, but, like, bugs, I mean, there was some bugginess in, like, the UI. There was definitely some lag at times, um, like, going through the game, um, especially when you like in your base and the base was like fully built, but I'm not sure if that was the game or just, I, I don't want to say what might be happening to my graphics card. Cause I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> Knock on wood. Um, but like, I didn't really run into anything that was too game breaking on the PC. Um, other than just the one when I'd come out of the chapel and everybody was like massed together. That is one I that never is... got. Yeah, I gotta say, your bugs sound a lot more fun than the bugs I ran into. Same, same. Uh, Kristen, what did you encounter while playing this game on the Switch? I gotta say, this the bugs were really just, towards the end of the game especially, like, really decreased my enjoyment of it. Like, the number of, like, several times of getting into, you know, your, your daily little... Um, vibe time with each follower and it would just kind of cycle through and through and I would have to force quit and then start the day over again. Um, the several times when I would be having a good run through a dungeon and the game crashes or the number of enemies. Um, I mean, obviously there are enemies that go outside the boundaries of the rooms and just kind of like run around out there. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, wave after wave of enemies and then you've killed all of them but it's still acting like there's a wave of enemies to come and you can't get out of there and then you lose your entire run um that happened several times to me it was very very frustrating especially when 
I was really just trying to, you know, finish the game so we could talk about this. And it just made it a lot more difficult. I, I yeah. will agree on like the enemies thing, especially on the last level, that there felt like there were some times that like when additional spiders spawned from the ceiling, it felt like it took an extra like oh, five yeah. seconds for them to spawn, where it was like, am I done? Oh, oh, oh okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, more no, spiders, right. but then it's like, but then literally like nothing spawns. Nothing spawns for several minutes and, and I had to quit. The, the difference between the Switch and the PC is that they never, like, that delay never changes. You're just stuck there. And it happened to me because they never spawned at all. It happened to me because one of the enemies that was meant to be killed in that wave glitched out and became untargetable. Um, and so I was stuck. Like, I couldn't finish the wave because I couldn't target that unit. So guess I had to restart my run. And it, and the because it was a run, it was a bug that was based on... Um, like hitting the next wave of opponents, it became a lot more likely to run into the further you got into the game. And there was one point where I was like, I, I ran into it two runs in a row, I think. And I said, okay, if this happens a third time in a row, this game does not want me to beat it. And I will listen to it. Um, and luckily uh, I, I was able with, with all of them, whenever I ran into it, uh, I just, I would have to reset. I would fully quit out of the game. Uh, and then reload back in. And usually a fresh startup, I would be able to avoid the issue the next time that it popped up. But it's never fun when you are on a run and you have to reset entirely because unlike Hades, it does not save from room to room. If it had the Hades-style save system where each room you had a checkpoint, wouldn't matter at all. But because it doesn't, if you lose one room no matter how deep you are into the adventure, your run is over. And that's a real bummer. So I'm glad that that one didn't make it to the PC. I do have one more fun one. I, I did run into like a follower was meant to give me a quest and the quest, like the follower just said, uh, follower dialogue quest 3.1. Um, <laughs> and then follower solution, the successful mission 3.1. I was like, okay, I, I clearly the language thing didn't trigger here. But I do like that kind of peek behind the curtain of like, well, I know what that key looked like in the back end. Um, <laughs> so I, I do want to, before we kind of wrap up here, uh, because we haven't talked as much about the world building of this game, because there is lore to this game. We have these four gods that we have to beat and the one god that we serve. Um, Kristen, did the lore captivate you? Did you find it interesting, push you forward? Yeah, actually, that was the, we talked about the different parts of the game and um, the, the dungeoneering or base building. Honestly, I, for me, I think outside, more than those two aspects of it, the lore was kind of, and the story of the game was actually driving me more than anything. I was really intrigued and I thought that the game was really innovative and interesting with the choices that it made um i i really enjoyed it what about you walter uh i i like break rock and cut grass and <laughs> uh no like i would say the lore definitely again like i don't want to i don't want to beat up on certain parts because i'm not saying they're bad but like the lore to me wasn't the driving force it was that the gameplay loop of the dungeoning with the break of the base building was it just it, it it touched the right neurons in my head to give me a whole shit ton of serotonin and i was like yes this is amazing this is very enjoyable um but like it did a good job of building the world and like i wanted to kill the bishops i was like you guys seem kind of fucky like and i know this guy's gonna stab me in the back at the end of this but like i kind of want to kill all y'all and I think each of the different areas was very, um, was very different. It was very um, well designed and very pretty to look at. I mentioned the music from the water level would get mm -hmm. stuck in my head constantly. Um, I'm not a big fan of spiders or bugs, so the last level was a little like, eh, not my favorite. But like, hey, I'll I'll deal with it. But then also the like out of 
dungeoning areas that they had built, you know, kind of the, the areas around your cult area that you could go to were really cool. I actually liked the, the outside characters. The mushroom guy was just peak cults leader, like just, just chef's kiss about the mushrooms. Um, mm-hmm. And like the side quests were, they were straightforward enough, but the, when I got them fit, everything like i didn't feel like i was doing side quests like out of turn or that they were really pulling me like out of the main path of the game i i think i may have just had a really really luckily well organized well played run of this game which led to a a really really enjoyable experience um i ended up again i'm on pc so i ended up getting 32 of the 37 achievements and i only had to hunt like two of the ones that i i haven't gotten already and the other the other five i have one of them is i I, you set me to sacrifice 10 followers which i actually didn't sacrifice all that many uh three of them are beat the bishops without getting hit which like i like the game but i'm not going to go back and grind that and then the last one is get all the you know get all the other achievements so Mm -hmm. i'd say i i played like a really, really thorough yeah. playthrough of this game. And I really enjoyed it. Can I say one more thing before you share your thoughts, Chase? Please. In one of the areas, you can play a dice game, and I really love the dice game, and I probably played far too much of the dice game. <laughs> it's a good game. I, Yo, it took the me a while. The last guy cheated. He cheats. He the cheats? turtle fucking cheats. He cheats. Um. It's so funny because I never like I struggled with the first one, just like learning the rules of the game. And then I beat the turtle in one go and I, <laughs> I didn't play it repeatedly. But I, uh, you know, it, it, and it is one of those things like like how like the order in which you encounter things changes a lot about how you're interacting with the world. You mentioned Sozo, the mushroom guy. I didn't really get to build much of a relationship with Sozo because I had unlocked the tech that gave you the option of like either embracing the mind control ritual or rejecting it before I ran into him. So I had already chosen not to do the mind control thing, which meant when he gave me the mind control ritual as a quest, I was like, well, I'm not doing that. That's a 50% chance for each one of my followers to get sick now. So I'm just never talking to Sozo again, I guess. Um, (laughs) So that was maybe an unfortunate order of operations for me. I did love the cult leaders individually. Um, it, it was fun seeing uh, Lashai uh, show up again from Inscription uh, based on, on same lore, um, which is like very different take, obviously, but a very interesting kind of connection there. I, I did like that they became increasingly desperate over time. Like at first there's a lot of defiance, like obviously I'm going to destroy you. And then as it goes on, it's like, well, yeah, the prophecies say I'm probably going to die here. So uh just remember that you're going to be fucked too when I'm dead. And that's a really great way to set up the, the final boss fight, which was always going to be the god that you serve from the beginning. Yeah. That was just, it was like, this game was not subtle in its foreshadowing that that was going to be the case. Did, um, did either of you guys agree to give him the crown? No. No. It just, it just goes to credits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just goes straight. It just is like, oh, okay. And goes straight to credits. And you're like, oh, cool. All right. Now I'm going to go kill him. Yeah. It, I do like that they leave that option in there. Um, and I do like, there There are enough interesting characters here that it does keep you going. The, the world building, the aesthetic, that was what kept me engaged, even as all of these other issues I encountered started to add up over time. Um, so... That leads us to final thoughts. Uh, Walter, any, anything you want to add? And what score do you give this game? Um, I mean, yeah, like, like I said, I think it just it hit the right, the right neurons in my head that I've really just enjoyed these roguelike action-adventure games, these beat-em-up style uh, you know, roguelike games quite a lot. And it, it, I, it's kind of clicked in my head now, like, hey, maybe those are the types of games that I should be actively seeking out when the, you know, uh, pressure of trying to make a decision is just too much to me. I should just go find games, you know, like Cult of the Lamb, like Hades, like going under. Um, 
I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10, honestly. And, and I, again, will say that was personally my experience, that everything really kind of meshed pretty well. I didn't feel um, any of these kind of balance pain points all that much. And when I did... It, it didn't take me long to kind of rectify them, you know, consecrating, oh, I don't have enough gold bars. All right, well, I need to get more money and I need to have an extra refinery or two to make more gold bars so that I can, you know, build whatever buildings I need. Um, I, I understand it's not a perfect game. There are a bunch of flaws to it. I, the combat is a bit imprecise at times, especially if you get the wrong weapon. Um, the base building can be a little bit tedious uh, and hard to be exact with. Um, but overall... Fun gameplay. Um, if you can avoid some of the more uh, dangerous bugs, I guess, it, it's really enjoyable. You can really sink into it and put a lot of time into it. The scenery, the design is all just wonderful to look at. The music is rocking. And I would say that it was a relatively easy experience. And I also played on normal. Once you get into the hang of it, once you find your groove, um, and it's rewarding. It's just it's just rewarding at times when you finally kind of get through an area and you're like, cool, what's next? That's very fair. Um, Kristen, where did you end up on this game? I think with the issues I had taken into consideration, this is a seven on the scale for me. I think without these issues, it would be an eight. Um, I th I think if you like games that have this kind of weird niche specific point of view and voice and style like I say if if you like stuff like inscription if you like enter the gungeon which I felt really had some similarities with this game um in some ways I say go for it. I it's relatively short for a game. Um doesn't take too terribly long to get through it. It can be really rewarding. Maybe play on your on your computer instead of the Switch and mm -hmm. um Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I I think the thing that I wish was I wish that there were parts of the game that made me want to go back and replay through the entire thing and try a different path for my cult to see kind of like the other side of these choices that I made. But I just don't know if I'm really going to do that. And that makes me a little sad. And I, I wish, I wish that those opportunities were there. I'm going to be interested to see if, if maybe they adjust some things, if they had some things out in the future. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if DLC comes out for this game. I think it's done very well for a game of its size. So I think it's very possible that there will be more content coming for people who want to come back to it. Uh, I'm also giving it a 7 out of 10. I feel like, to me, outside of just the bugs, which, again, I, I do believe play on PC, don't play on the Switch unless you are like me and will only play games on console, in which case, good luck. I hope some of this stuff gets fixed sooner rather than later. Um, I, I think to me, it's I would have, you know, having a heavy attack and light attack button so the combat felt more dynamic would fix a good chunk of my issues with the combat. And just having a bit sharper pacing on the progression of the base management things so that it doesn't run the risk of being so front-loaded uh, or back-loaded, depending on how you build. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say hand-holding because obviously, like, you know, people should feel free to customize things in, in the way that they want, but there are some things you just cannot do without completely wrecking your difficulty curve. And I think that there might be ways to work around that, ways to adapt from a balanced perspective that I would have liked to see a, a little bit more. But look, there aren't that many games that allow you to manage a cult and do a little dance with all of your followers um, and name them all after your favorite K-pop artists. Like that's just, it, it, it fills a niche that I think has value within the gaming space and it does so with a level of artistic creativity 
that is undeniable from world building perspective, from a sound design perspective, level design, pretty darn solid. Um, so there's a lot to like and a lot to wish could be better. And I hope that hearing these three different perspectives will give you a good idea of where you will fall on that list. But for now, that's been a podcast. Uh, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. Where can the nice people at home find you? Thanks for having me. They can find me. Um, I'm on Twitter uh, and Instagram at KPinolo. I'm just a person living life. Mm-hmm. Being, on, being on podcasts of my friends. Absolutely. Planning your own cult in the background with your business card that says. That kind of call, please. You're right. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll take that offline. Uh, Walter, where can the nice people at home find you? I would like to say there's probably four different recordings of this that you're going to have to try and scrub and good luck finding mine. Um, <laughs> as always, you guys can find me at CADs underscore LOL. You guys can find the podcast at Rough Drafts Pod. If you like what we're doing here and you want to follow the gaming podcast, Obviously, follow Steam Cleaners on your podcast listening uh, platform of choice, or you can follow the entire Rough Drafts network uh, at Rough Drafts, or just the movie stuff at Final Cut. If you came over from just the movie stuff, I think this was a really good episode to try and get in on the gaming stuff. Go uh, go back and listen to some of the older stuff that we've done, um, because uh, you know we are we are around a year mark of being back doing uh, Final Cut, and we're getting close to uh, you know we're only a few months away from a year of doing uh, Steam Cleaners. And just one last thing to say about the game, folks: if you get to the shopkeeper, don't hit his snail. Whatever you do, do not hit the snail a second time. <gasps> And definitely don't hit it a third time. You did that? All I needed was one warning. I was never going to hit that snail again. I never got a warning. I was terrified of what would happen. (laughs) Oh, man. We got to talk about this off call. I I have to, yeah, I have have a thing I need to try. I think I'll boot it up one more time (laughs) just to try something out real quick. They got us back in. Just when you you think you're out, they pull you back in. Yeah, the invoice is in the mail, Massive Monster. (laughs) (laughs) You can follow the podcast. You already said follow the podcast. You can follow me at Chase Wassenaar on Twitter. I'm private now um, because uh, I work in an industry that's very stupid and I want to have some freedom to talk about how dumb it is. Um, But uh, if that sounds fun to you, uh, you can find me there. And come back a week from now, because even if you're not a regular Final Cut listener... We do have that one-year anniversary coming up, and Walter and I have something very special in mind that I think y'all are going to really enjoy. So, until then, goodbye, Internet.